I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Millennial Divide, a podcast about navigating the millennial decade. We, tonight, not three sisters. No. No. Oh, we're just two, two little old sisters. Lonely sisters. I'm here though, guys. And lovely producer Tonis. <laughs> producer Claire is joining us again. I know. Goodness for Claire. Let's remember who the most consistent person has been in this Millennial Divide family. It's, well, it's Claire as well. Thank you. <laughs> She's been here every week. That's true. Don't you are do. the constants. So on air today we have Dimity. I'm Dimity. I'm 27. I'm the youngest of the three sisters in my family. I'm in the millennial decade and that's why I'm allowed to be here. You are genuine, genuinely in. Genuinely 100% in. in. And Tonts, Claire, producer Claire is back because she was so good the other week. We just said, right, Elle, out you get. <laughs> or you're desperate. No. No, no, no. no. We're oh, just happy. It's happy a to pleasure be to be here. Oh, we love having you, Claire. And you are well and truly in the millennial decade as well. So you Correct. Can I am 33. 33. Mm. Yes. So I'm pretty much Elle's age. Yeah. Right? You guys yeah, are. Yes. Yeah. How Correct. old is Elle? Elle is 33, yeah, according to our run yes. sheet. So I'm going with that. <laughs> I think often she's 34, but she's not. She's 33. Yes, that's what I, yeah. Mm. So shout out to Elle. We miss you already. Yeah. Elle's dealing with, oh, she's going to have a rant next week. She's we'll leave it to so her. Let's not her spoil plate. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tune in next week to hear yeah. poor Ellen's rant. It is a doozy. She's <laughs> had everything come out of this week. So we've let her off the hook. And it's just the three of us, but we're going to do our darndest to make sure this is good. And we're going to have a few little extras come in um, today, so stay tuned. So today we're going to talk about the midterms, US election. It's all happening today. We go. We previously said we record on a Wednesday, goes to around a Friday. So you, bit of a spoiler, hmm. we're doing that again. <laughs> and as we go to air, the midterms are all being announced and there is lots happening. So we're going to cover that. We're also going to talk all things Spice Girls. Oh my God. Why we didn't choose to be a, a sister band, I'll never know. Yeah. Why did we choose podcasts? Yeah. Oh, you guys would have been great. Oh my gosh. Such we might have to do a little photo shoot. With different outfits. Yes. Oh my God. Can I be involved? Because there's yeah. four Spice Girls and I can be posh yes. Spice. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is true. Yeah. And there are four at Correct. the moment. Yes. yes. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about what's on our mind. And as we've previously mentioned, we are a Melbourne based podcast. There was a big Melbourne race on Tuesday involving horses. And we will discuss interesting times for the poor old horsies. We'll talk recommendations and Claire's got an awesome one for us. So we look forward to that. And we'll end on a lovely note from Claire with a mantra. Oh, when it's Claire's mantra, it's a, it's a nice thing, is it? <laughs> well, hopefully she's done a bit of thinking and research ahead of the, the game and we actually get something good. Rather than what was your... It uh, was... You've got a uh, I don't... Me. You know what if you... <laughs> 
can't believe that's got brought up twice now. When I did the edit last week and I was listening to to it through, that made me laugh so hard because it is so terrible. Poor Tom. Claire, I'm so sorry you had to do that edit. That would have been an absolute nightmare. I want to hear from the listeners to hear how much that really resonated with them and how much they took it into their lives. You let me know. Yeah, okay. we can't wait hashtag to hear from all of you. Team Dim versus hashtag Team Amy. So team hashtag Team Dim if you think my mantra was great. <laughs> okay, so first up today we're going to talk all things midterms, and we're actually going to dial a friend because as much as we know a little bit about US politics, we don't know a heap about US politics. So what we'll do is actually call. My partner, Adrian. Oh, yay. Guess So Adrian lives and breathes all things American politics. He's very well versed on this topic and he knows we're going to call, I hope. I did say we call it. <laughs> so hopefully he picks up and we will ask him the basics because I think we need to start from the beginning and then we can go forward as to what happened, what the outcomes were. So let's give him a buzz. Hello. Adrian, we've just given you a little bit of an intro, but I have said that you live and breathe this stuff for the last few years that I've known you and probably longer. Mm -hmm. So we've got some basic questions about what's happened today. We're hoping you can answer them. Okay. So for context, Adrian, I, in researching this, had to type into Google, why, what is midterms? Why important American election? (laughs) So if you could just, if you could start there, just need a basic understanding about what is midterms. Well, that's a very good question because it's not something that in Australia we uh, ever experience really. Whenever we go to the election booths and have to submit a vote, it's it's basically everything on the line. You know, you get to have an uh, an influence on who becomes prime minister and who becomes your local member. But in America, every two years they do like a little interim vote where they get an opportunity to influence, I guess. Uh, who is representing them, but they don't actually look at the president uh, in that particular midterms. They just look at local representation either in the Senate or in the House. And so, Adrian, today was a momentous day because this was the first, um, obviously, the midterms after Trump was elected two years ago, and a lot of people are saying this is a protest vote. But what we're confused about is so far it looks like, or it has been confirmed, all most um, big news organisations have called it, that the Republicans have kept the Senate, but the Democrats have won the House. What mm-hmm. does that What does that mean? Um, all the professional forecasters, they all expected the Senate to remain in Republican hands. And the only thing that was really up in, in any serious doubt was whether or not the Democrats could reclaim uh, the House, and they needed a huge amount of seats. They didn't just need, you know, one or two. They needed, oh, well, actually, they needed 24, I think, from from memory to, to reclaim that, which is a, a huge amount of seats to reclaim. So all of the Senate races that were up this particular term, and remember they, that not everyone, every senator was being voted for, only the ones that were due up this time, Every virtually every one of those Senate races were in really red districts. So, in other words, really... Um, Republic-leaning districts. So 
Democrats had virtually no chance of, of reclaiming the Senate. It was all about the House. And that's where this blue wave or, or the Democrats really coming out and turning up to vote because voting isn't compulsory in America. They did turn up and they, they had a great result. So this was one of the biggest reactions, really, wasn't it, for many years? Because I was hearing that for Obama, the red wave, as they called it, that, that was nothing compared to what this has been. Do you think this is just a protest vote that people are coming out because we're seeing some of the people who have been elected and it certainly seems like it's every minority that you can pick is coming to the fore. And, and do you think it was simply a matter of people turning up to to lodge their distaste and protest or do you also think it's a combination that the Republicans didn't turn up? What what are the commentators saying so far? Well, I think that, yeah, the Republicans definitely turned up and that's, that should be one of the big takeaways. But before I get to that, you know, you were talking about whether, whether it's a protest vote. Well, you can imagine as much as we were excited about Kevin Rudd getting into Parliament and as much as, you know, there was a, a wave of enthusiasm with Julia Gillard became the first female Prime Minister, you know what it's like with politicians. You know, we like them when they're exciting us before they get elected. Then they get elected. Then they turn into politicians. And all of a sudden we start disliking them for the same reasons that we dislike every other politician. And these midterm elections are always a protest vote as sort of sorts because, of course, they've come in. They've come in all the promises haven't been fulfilled that they said they wanted to achieve and, and the reasons why we should vote for them. And, of course, everyone starts getting disappointed. So it is always a protest vote. It's always like, oh, gee, well, I'm going to make you pay because you're not doing what you said you were going to do. And even Obama, when he came in on that huge wave of excitement, you know, two years after he came in, he was only in for two years, his first two years, the same stage as Donald Trump, he lost a huge amount of, of, of House seats and lost complete control of of the house so he found it very difficult to to get anything done and that was only two years after everyone being so excited about him so it was definitely a protest vote the republicans as i said before the democrats definitely came out in large numbers but the thing that i think has shocked a lot of people but probably shouldn't shock everyone is that the republicans are still excited to some degree about donald trump i mean there are those rusted on republicans maybe 20 or 30 percent who no matter what he says and does they still love the Republican Party and he's their, he's their guy until 2020 at least and there's no way they're going to go against him. Women, on the other hand, and maybe I should have prefaced that with a lot of men are, are rusted, are more of the rusted on Republicans. Women in their droves have turned away from the Republican Party. So, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at an article from the Washington Post that said, which really makes me excited, that women have never held more than 84 of the 435 mm-hmm. seats in the House. But by 1.30am Wednesday, as the votes were still being counted, 92 had already been declared winners. And and that's right. There was a huge turnout for Democrats. There's no way all those minorities and all these women and, you know, there was a black female African-American uh, nominee for the Georgia um, gubernatorial, which is for their governor uh, race. And no, imagine a, you know, a black woman winning. I think there's only ever been one or two ever before. And this is the deep South. She's only just going to lose, even though she's very, very close. So, yeah, please, if, if you take if, if your listeners take one thing away from, from the results, there was a huge blue wave. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, a huge amount of minorities and women were elected and, yeah, it couldn't have happened unless people were really, really angry about Donald. 
and, and wanting to come out and make a statement, and they have. But, hey, as I said before, don't underestimate 2020 in two years' time that Donald's going to be thrown out because there are those rusted-on voters, and they did turn up in the Senate races, and they did come out, and they probably didn't even feel like they had to because, you know, it's not about electing Donald Trump this time around, but they came out anyhow. So, you know, they're not going to go away lightly if anyone's thinking that's going to happen in two years' time. No. such a good point. Who we see this time isn't necessarily who we'll see in two years' time. Mm. I guess, though, there is a moment for celebration because if you look, HuffPost has done a beautiful um, summary of some of the people who have been um, elected. And if I throw these to you, it's just fantastic with the the type of people. So we've got youngest woman ever elected, first black woman elected to Congress in Massachusetts, first openly gay governor, one of the first Muslim women, one of the first Native American women, one of the first Latina women, um, Sharice Davids, openly gay Native American. So there are just these fantastic stories of um, people who previously were very marginalised, still are marginalised, who are getting elected, and also the power of celebrity. I think that's a really interesting turn of events. We know, obviously, Donald Trump is very well known for his celebrity status, but the likes of Taylor Swift, so Tennessee had a 663% increase in youth vote after she endorsed the state Democrats. No, they actually turned out to vote. Yep. Oh, 663% increase God. in voter turnout. For I don't years. know if I'm encouraged or discouraged No, I'm going to say something, and this is going to sound ridiculous. In this weird way, is it possible that Donald Trump in all of the politics and the rhetoric and the, the, in my opinion anyway, racist, sexist, all of the things that he's come out and said, is he going to be a force for good in that people end up being really politically engaged and we get more women in politics than we've ever had before? Answer us, Adrian. Tell us. Tell us, Adrian. Adrian. Look, I I think that's an excellent point. That was one that a lot of people... A lot of people overlooked, Claire, and that is that often when, you know, somebody who is quite shocking in many ways, and I don't use that term lightly and neither should we when describing him, the, the fallout is often a really positive one, and you described it nicely, is that people will actually become much more active in, in a whole range of ways. It won't be just at the ballot box, it'll be in a whole range of movements, and obviously, you know, the Me Too movement has been partially attributed to, you know, a response to, to Donald Trump and, and, and what he came out and, and I guess, shocked everyone into, into, into thinking um, or potentially thinking, oh, my gosh, do we have to actually have this conversation at this point in our evolution? So I think you're absolutely right. I think, unfortunately, he's inspiring some people who do have some of those archaic thoughts, but... He is also creating this huge wave of people who are who are, or who were previously disinterested in politics or not thinking like their vote mattered or that they should be involved in society and, and in making the world a better place. And he has inspired those people. I will just say one other thing in terms of the Republican turnout today, which has surprised everyone, don't underestimate that some of these good movements like the Me Too movement and like when societies do positive things in the minds of most people, unfortunately it does have that reaction with some people that that they feel like they have been left out. And we're seeing that in the Republican side as well as that this Me Too movement where, you know, it's about having this great progressive society and starting to look at women and, and minorities in a whole different way. Unfortunately, there's a Me Too, Too movement almost that's, that's arriving as well where there's those people that are feeling that, 
this whole progression of of thinking in this new way is a threat to them as well. And unfortunately, those positive movements then sometimes get those other people riled up and they turn out and feel like they've got to fight as well. So it's not always all good. Your enemies, unfortunately, do... uh, do find a way to be inspired as well, sometimes by your good actions, even though most people, um, you know, would back you up. Yeah, and l- let's hope, Adrian, you didn't just start a new hashtag of not me too too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, it's not an endorsement. <laughs> I did like, though, right. there was a, a young guy in America who um, his mother started a bit of a viral campaign. <gasps> did, did you hear, hear about that? that? Yeah. And I can't remember the exact hashtag. It was something like not me too too or <laughs> me too too. Anyway, she blamed um, me too on him not having a date, but actually he had to come out and say, no, mum, it's not that. It's just I'm really busy at work. (laughs) (laughs) God, how embarrassing. God bless the internet. Okay. Thank you, Adrian. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Adrian. That was very, very informative and has helped me tremendously in understanding. I was there there when President Obama was elected, re-elected, um, in America, and I still don't understand anything. So it is a very complex system. It is. I think their their form of governance, even the fact that now I was hearing a Fox News commentator. So great result, know, exactly. But he was saying that with the Democrats having many possible speakers, it's actually going to be quite a disjointed um, Democrat part Democratic Party oh. because they're all um, applying to be the Speaker of the House. Mm. But even the fact that they don't have a leader, you know, we have an opposition leader Mm. and at this point the opposition leader would be stepping up and rallying the troops Mm. and building momentum and and there's this real absence of that. real gap, yeah, of a strong leader. Yeah, it would be really challenging. Although that was the same for the Republicans and look how they rallied. Yes. (laughs) All right, so we're going to move right along to much lighter news now. Thank God. And a big one this week, Dim. Spice Girls, Spice Up Your Life, they're back. They're back, baby. They are back. So I, being shockingly out of the loop for this, for something that was it's very meaningful to me, I found out about this through uh, Victoria Beckham posting on her Instagram um, an image of the Spice Girls now, as you see them now, and saying, you know, they're back. Everyone except me, essentially. So she posted this picture of um, four of the spi- of the five Spice Girls, herself not included, and captioned it, I won't be joining my girls on stage again, but being in the Spice Girls is a hugely important part of my life and I wish them so much love and fun as they go back on tour next year. I know they will be pu- they will put on an amazing show and the fantastic fans, past and present, are going to have a wonderful time. Very diplomatic, Victoria Beckham. Very diplomatic. What's the real juice here is what I'm interested in. Well, Tell Channel me. 9 mm-hmm. said that she gets stage fright. Well, oh. Claudia Winkleman at the Vogue 100, a century of style exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery in London, Beckham said to her that they used to turn off her microphone and let the others sing <laughs> because she's not a very good singer. And that is has been something when I Googled, like, why is Victoria Beckham not in? Is apparently she's just not. Not the, like, the strongest singer again. in the they group. They could have done that again, though. Absolutely. Yeah, surely. 
Yeah. Oh, what's is, your yeah? What's your theory, Claire? Because you know, got a few here. Oh god, as to why Victoria Beckham yeah. is not coming along, I think she just always looks miserable, and maybe she just mm. doesn't want to sing the joyful <laughs> songs. <laughs> you know, she like just doesn't like the Spice yeah. Girls. If you want to be my lover, like if you really just, and I think she's also hungry a lot. Oh yeah, because she's it's probably hard, very yeah. quite, yeah. very yeah. skinny. Yeah, and I don't want to be hypocritical because and all. Not hypocritical, critical because, <laughs> because obviously everyone has different body types. But she's I saw her at the royal wedding and she was all in black and mm. she just looked so miserable mm. and so skinny with like really tall, uncomfortable shoes. I think maybe it's the joy thing. She maybe she's just joy. too hungry to actually participate. Correct. Yeah, well, I mean, someone said to me once, if you're ever sad, just try singing because you can't stay sad. So maybe she just does love to be sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's putting a strangely positive spin on something that's yeah. Like it's like it's kind of like oh, that's good for her for just owning her sadness. Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, how I feel about that. I do know how I feel about Adele posting a picture of her. <laughs> I know, and oh, it's a throwback so photo of her when she's I don't even like. What do you think? Eleven. Oh, it's so an gorgeous. awkward an awkward tween year, and it's her just looking outrageously excited with about six Spice Girls posters behind her and her caption is just like, I'm ready for this. And it just really summarises how I feel we all feel. I, I love the Spice Girls. I used to play Spice Girls dress up in primary school and we used to be like, my platform shoes are this high and my skirt is this short. We're like seven. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So I, I don't think you can beat it for a bit of a pump you up song. Like if you yeah. still to this day, if one comes on, I will get all happy and excited I never really liked Posh as a Spice Girl. I much prefer her as Victoria Beckham, fashion yeah, designer. Yeah. She is, I really respect what she does for fashion and I like watching her Instagram and I think it's telling that we all found out about the reunion tour by the yeah. one Spice Girl who won't be on yeah. it. <laughs> that was the same with me. I found out purely because yeah. of Victoria Beckham's post. Um, and I think that she has done incredible things to turn around what was a, you know, a pop career into this amazingly successful um, fashion brand, brand lab, you know, global mm. empire. Um, I think it's a bit sad, but I'm very excited about the other ones. I've just realised, oh. Amy, you are such a posh spice. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's an insult. No, it's not because you really admire her. That's I a nice thing. I want to be baby. You are the fun. A hundred percent not baby spice. I'm saying right out of this. I, I think reckon, right. Sorry. <laughs> I reckon Claire could be maybe sporty spice. Who's the Jerry? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Harry Halley, what? Ginger spice. Ginger, yeah. 
That's the best one. Yeah, oh. I reckon you could be the ginger. She's got such big boobs. That's what's oh. really jealous. Oh, not anymore. Have you seen the? Po- yes, when she did, when she like left the Spice Girls in that big dramatic thing, I was oh so heartbroken when she left. And then she went all fit and blonde and did oh. the um, reigning men. Oh, yeah, that too. was incredible. Yeah, I loved um, it. Who am I in the Spice Girls? Oh, I think you're scary. scary. I felt yeah, scary. Yeah, I'm going to give you scary. I felt scary. Okay, yeah. Okay, so who can Ellen be? Oh, she'll probably be baby. We've She's got so one left that I think then. about that. Yeah. 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 All right, so we're we're recruiting. We've got one more. We've got one more spice. Okay. Who have we got? It's a sporty, sporty one. Is, that, is she Mel C or Mel B? Oh. Mel C. Mel C. Which one went to rehab? I'm Mel B. Do you know I met Mel B? No. What? Yeah. So I have a real affinity with Scary Spice. Yeah. Yeah, I met her when I pretended to be a journalist for a hot second. Oh, yeah. In your previous life as a journalist. Previous life, I've got. Was she plugging Weight Watchers? Yeah, plugging? maybe. No, maybe it was um, a radio show. All oh. I remember is that I took a photo of her and she's like, uh, excuse me, can you please delete her? And I was oh. like, oh, I'm so sorry. That was a great impression. You're was definitely it? Scary Spice. Yeah, oh. definitely. So I might rustle up that picture and post Ooh, it on the ground. you didn't delete it? No. Oh. God, you, no. Uh, this is why I love you guys. You have so many just like rustling up <laughs> excellent photos, <laughs> like Amy with the heels. Oh, uh, that's... A bit of Z-grade celebrity. <laughs> we can find... If there is a... <laughs> Has been celebrity. We will find them. Don't you worry. I know about it. <laughs> all right. So stay tuned for the Instas. I think we're all on board. 2019, year of the tour. They have said they're coming to Australia. <gasps> we will all be there. We might even do a special app. Maybe we could get Ooh. them on air. Oh, oh my gosh. God. Oh, that's our KPI for next year. <laughs> okay. I'll chase one of them down with my phone. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Whoever can get pap shots. She'll see Melby will see me and be like, not her again. Yeah. <laughs> Bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stay posted. We'll keep you on. Uh, we'll keep you informed of all the tour dates. Okay, so a bit more of a sombre one now. Oh well, actually, it depends which camp you're in. Matter of perspective. It is a matter of perspective. So as we alluded to earlier, Melbourne, our home of residence, is the location of a very big horse race. It's so big, in fact, that we get a public holiday, <laughs> and in fact, it's so big that that public holiday is not enough, and most of us take the other day. As well. So it ends up being a four-day weekend oh, for this horse just, race. And everyone's kind of like, oh, I don't know about this, but no, we'll take it. We'll take it. Don't, I mean, don't, don't take it away from us. It's been a long winter. We go a long time without a public holiday. We get to, you know, October, November, and we're desperate. We have one random one for a footy mm. game. Again, confusing. And then <laughs> come November, it's on because it's then on. we know, we know, get to November, We've got, we basically call it a full day because no one does any work on the Monday, even no. if they turn up for work. No way. No. And all the frocks come out in the shops and the hats, oh. all that stuff. Oh, very yeah, it's colour and movement. It's glamour, glamour, glamour. It is. Except yeah. when a poor little horsey dies. <gasps> Which Dim took us through. Mm. This happened on Tuesday. So this happened at the, it's, it, it happened on Tuesday, but it's not the first time. Essentially, um, one of the horses that was participating in the Melbourne Cup this year, Cliffs of Ma- Moher? Cliffs of Moher. Cliffs, Cliffs you know, of I was Moher. happy when you took this segment because oh, I was grateful to not have to pronounce the name. Cliffs yeah. of Moher. Um, Irish name was fractured its shoulder, um, its right shoulder, and had to be euthanised on the track. So it was within the first 600 metres of the race that it fell down and as is policy they euthanised it immediately and they do it. I don't actually know if they did that with this, but historically what they've done is put up a little, like, barricade around to protect the well-to-do race-goers from seeing the awful events. But it's 
not as the first time, as I said, there's been six horses that have died in as many years in the Melbourne Cup. And unfortunately, because I am introducing this segment, I did the deep dive into the stats. So let me lay it on you, peeps. <gasps> I'm scared. So studies. A study by Sullivan Hinchcliffe in 2015 found that between 43% and 75% of thoroughbred racehorses exhibit blood within the trachea within two hours of races, racing. AnimalsAustralia.org said that 89% of racehorses had stomach ulcers in a study at Randwick Racehorse, which is a racecourse in Sydney that we've talked about as well. Over 25,000 horses are killed per year in Australia, 2,000 tonnes of horse meat exported for human consumption in Japan and Europe annually. Obviously, that's not necessarily directly related to this Melbourne Cup, but it's it's the industry. So there's problems. It's extremely problematic and every year this comes up again that people just want to boycott it and people do and and different organisations do. And this year is interesting because we saw the emergence of a hashtag which was actually brought to my attention by my old boss, Mia Friedman, and she hashtagged NUP to the cup and kind of brought up these these facts and these figures as well just saying that it's not the best. However, for a different opinion, I have a friend on Facebook who's big into horses, it's always been big, big into horses, has trained them and owned them and done show jumping with them. And she posted kind of a counter argument to all of these facts saying, um, and this is, she shared an, a post by Brian Morris, and it said that a lot of this information, which I, you, you do learn to expect, is exaggerated by animal rights groups. They have been known to have a little bit of creative license with their statistics sometimes and that actually it's nowhere near as bad as these stats would like you to believe that a lot of ex-racehorses get rehomed and that they have actually quite a lovely life after they've been racing. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess though <laughs> you can't argue with that this is the sixth horse that has been euthanized at the Melbourne Cup since 2013. So we're averaging one a year. But her argument was is that these kind of things, these kinds of fractures or injuries will occur naturally with with wild horses. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, yep, they, they will occur in, in the race racing industry as much as they will occur just like a wild horse in the wild that's, that's, <laughs> that's been introduced to Australia and has probably not got many years on our shores anyway. But that's a different topic. Mm, what do you think, Claire? Are you nut to the cup or are you yup to the cup? Oh, gosh. I actually used to work at the races. You oh. didn't. I did. I, well, when I say work, I stood at a gate and let all the members through, including oh. Gay Wardhouse at oh. one point. And oh, so, look at her saying uh, that we've got all of these celeb throwbacks. <laughs> yeah. You got a pick? <laughs> yeah. Pick or it didn't happen, Claire. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have a pick. Sorry. <laughs> I don't. But I do have some stories about the cup because when I was there standing at the gate, you would see everyone come in and then at the beginning and be so glamorous and gorgeous in all their frocks and their hats and their dresses. And then by the end of the day, they would be, I would see so many boobs and like <laughs> just like shoes in their hands and like people just like disheveled and drunk. And it was just like this really debaucherous thing. And when you're sober, yeah. standing at a gate watching, and then that that sort of image of all the party goers with like kind of juxtaposition with these really elite athletes and, and racehorses, mm. 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's something about it that doesn't sit well with me. Like people kind of go to gamble and drink and write themselves off and pee behind a rose bush or something. <laughs> that was you though. That, yeah, that to be fair, that was me. And so I just, I don't know. I'm a little bit, yeah, I think I'm up. You're an up. The, yeah. Though then there's some beautiful stories about sort of the adversity that pe- that jockeys come through and horses come through and the risks that people take to then end up winning and, you know, there's some really inspiring, wonderful stories too. And it does kind of have this wonderful air about it of creativity and artistry in the fashion and, you know, in Melbourne we're such a fashion place anyway. So it does have a lovely vibe too but I do think, Unfortunately, there's a dark undercurrent. What do you think, Amy? Yeah, I'm a bit torn as well because I love the fashion. Oh, the fashion. Amy is so all about the fashion. I just, I love looking at the photos. I loved, I I really, when I used to go back in the day (laughs) when I still had enthusiasm for going in six-inch heels, um, and I did go quite a bit and I actually worked, I worked um, not at the Melbourne Cup. I worked on the Caulfield Cup, which is a few weeks before doing their publicity. So I used to spend a lot of time at the track and I really liked that side of, you know, there's not many occasions where you get to put on a beautiful frock and a hat and, a, you know, really present yourself in that way. And that's really fun. I, and I still like watching it, although the thought of dressing up and going oh. out, uh-huh. hauling ass out to Flemington. Oh, oh. and then the trains broke down and they had to walk <laughs> like so 20 for minutes. context as well, for anyone who wasn't in Melbourne on that horrendous day yesterday, it was pouring with rain the entire time as well. It was just a horrendously oh, awful it was day of yeah. I spent all day in my pajamas working on the couch, <laughs> oh, and yeah, I just thought I couldn't horror. do anything worse. Oh, no, than you had to be up. very committed to go this year. I think we had the equivalent of our entire winter's rain in one day. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was wet. Anyway, not not pleasant. But what I'm also deeply uncomfortable with was is this whole sport. You know, we're just making animals run around and risk their lives. And you're right, Dim, maybe they might happen in the wild, but at least it's not for our amusement. Mm. That might just be because that's what's happened. But mm. to the, the fact that actually they're being mm. pushed to their limits to make money for a lot of for a small number of people because a lot of people will lose a, a hell of a lot of money. Mm. And I did have this moment yesterday, so we had a bit of it. You might have seen on the Instas, on the socials, that we were all away together as a family this weekend, which was lovely. And I watched the cup with my little, with our little niece sitting on my lap as a two-year-old and I'm saying, it's horsey race, horsey race. And she was getting so excited and I was saying, that's your horse and because we did a sweep, of course. And then halfway through I'm thinking, what am I doing? I've got a two-year-old on my lap and I'm teaching her how to gamble. <laughs> faster. Is, say yeah. it with me, niece. Faster. <laughs> Win me the big bucks. Come on. No, and I felt really bad as she's saying, horsey race, horsey race, horsey race. And I'm like, I'm like oh, my Lord, what have I done? I but, yeah, I, I do. I did wave over me in general time. Like I got a bit distracted by some great outfits and then I'd go back to, no, I feel yeah. uncomfortable about this. I So I am equally as torn because, we, as you said, did a sweep in our family and I won. And Ooh. so this year I've got that, like, that buzz of having a win, you know. It felt good. Like, I need that money. Um, <laughs> so much so that I couldn't actually contribute to the sweep at the time. So I'm I'm less the money that I was meant to put in, thank God, because I don't know how I would have afforded those $4. But, yeah, it's, it is a, it's a funny one and I'm, I'm turning on it. I am turning on it, actually. I was indifferent and I'm more towards, like, yeah, I agree that gratuitous violence yeah. is it feels a bit like. 
Okay, that, like, so we're, oh, we're yes. sort of nup I to the cup by next year. Oh. We might be, we Can might we be nup. nup to the cup, but yes to the hat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes to the fashion. Less to the fashion. Nup to the horsies. Yes. Correct. Okay. All right. Done. Okay, so Claire, you've got a recommendation for us today. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited too. It's such a beautiful um, recommendation. I have loved by Marie Andrew for a long time. She does this glorious Instagram account, or in my opinion. She started it as a way to cope with her the death of her father and also a really, really painful breakup. And she just decided that every day she would do a little drawing and write a little comment and post it on Instagram as a way to work through the grief that she was feeling and also the obviously really deep pain that she went through when she went through this breakup. And then as it happened and and kind of kept growing in her following, she also was struck down with Gillian, is it Gillian? Gillian Barre. Gillian Barre syndrome, which Jim knows a lot more about than me being an OT, but was just such a debilitating disease. And so for two months of her life, she was paralysed and couldn't leave her house really. A lot of her work is about her coping with those things and then her thought processes through them. And what I love about it is that so often I'll see a little drawing with a picture and, you know, some kind of caption and it will speak so much to a feeling that I've had. Some of it I don't relate to because a lot of it is to do with being single and navigating the dating scene, which is interesting. She does a a lot of stuff around that 20s and 30s and navigating those kinds of things. One of her quotes that I really love from her Instagram account, and I'll just bring it up here, She has one called Vulnerable Moments Routinely Witnessed by Strangers and she's just really observant. So she goes through and says things like getting off an elevator and not knowing which direction to turn, you know, that tiny little moment that you might observe or looking for a friend in a dark movie (laughs) theatre. Exactly. And the other one that I always go back to for me um, because she struggled a lot with her creativity, her dad was an artist and a musician and a writer and all these things and she struggled with hers And, and I think a lot of people have that idea that at some point it's too late, like if you're 30 you're too old to start something and she said the difference between an artist and a non-artist is just that an artist makes it and a non-artist doesn't. Mm. And I love that. It's so simple but I always go back to that in my head when I'm struggling with a creative venture or taking risks. But she's also um, just published a book recently. You loved that book, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I went. she came and did a book tour for it so I actually went and saw her a couple of months oh. ago now. Yeah, she's just, she's really wise and I think you're right, she's very insightful to the point where I think it must be really difficult being her because she feel, she's really feels stuff mm. and a lot of her life, I think to be so empathetic must be really draining um, because she just can really hone in on a feeling or a moment and often it's contrary to what you kind of, what society's telling you. So I'll often end up with screen grabs of stuff that really resonate with me, which haven't been articulated before. So like she had one last week and I sent this one to everyone and and she's often, she has little illustrations. So it's by Mari Andrew is her Instagram page. She's basically only on Instagram, I think, apart from this book. 
But she wrote this little one and it just said, I will stop taking it personally when someone who has only experienced a sunny afternoon cannot understand why I fixate on the evening or feels uncomfortable when I write from the memory of night or cannot relate to the breathtaking hope of dawn or gives me advice on how to get through a day when he's only non three hours of it. Mm, And I, I was like, that is true because... Everyone says, you know, listen to the advice or you've got to be respectful. And I guess it's Brené Brown who says, unless you're down in the trenches with me, I'm not interested in your feedback. Mm. And that's really um, empowering when you can actually say thank you, but I'm not interested to hear your thoughts when you have not lived my experience Mm. and you can't empathise. And I hadn't heard that statement before and it, you know those type of ones really rang true so I don't know Dim do you like her she's about your age she's about, I think she's 30 mm. um, um so I feel like a bit of an asshole because up until like an hour ago I was like oh yeah I'm just not really into it and then I found out that she had Gillian Barre syndrome and I was like shit <laughs> she is pretty fucking impressive that is a horrendous condition I've seen a couple of people in the hospital with who've had that and I mean it affects one in 1,000 people sorry one in 100,000 people it's a, it's rare but it's nasty and the fact that she came out on the other side it actually makes a lot of sense based on her drawings and her writings so mm. it's now very clear to me a lot of them but it's also very admirable. She's she's quite a force. So I've changed my opinion in the last few minutes slash hours. I would, and I am not sure if this is true or not, but I'm going to claim it. I feel like I introduced you and Ellen to by Marie Andrew. Oh. Yeah, I have a feeling I was first on that bandwagon. Really? Yeah, back That's when. very surprising. I <laughs> am not surprised because I clearly get social media way more than you. So... <laughs> You, you yeah. did have to teach me how to do a story. Let's not point fingers over here. Exactly right. So And a gift. <laughs> oh, that was such a fun <laughs> afternoon watching you do teach us old millennials how to do a story. Yeah, so and but when she started, I think she was more doing more illustrations. It was more illustration-based and then she went to more text-heavy. So that was just a very small reason that I was like, nah, off her, but now I'm back on. So, yeah, I'm, all, mm, I'm on board. Okay. So yep. we're on board. Yeah. yeah. I like her. I loved the one she did about on Mother's Day for mothers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and I've, I shared that and it resonated and so many people have shared it just about um, and she says mothers who have lost children or those who have lost mothers that she's thinking of them yeah. and lots of different types of mothers on that day. And, I, yeah, you're exactly right, Amy. She has a way of grabbing a day or something that we hear about all the time and flipping it on its head and making you be even more empathetic than you thought you could be or, you know, turning around your assumptions. Yeah, I think if anyone's looking for a bit of light in a bit of a dark place or how to help a friend when they're going through a tough time or you just generally want a little bit of wisdom in your day, go and follow by Mari Andrews. She's um, she's a cracker and she's got a book out, so give her a plug, you know. she's a, she, It started as a side hustle. It's now her full-time job. So kudos to you by Mari Andrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got our vote. Yeah. Ending on a nice note. We're kind of ended on a nice note yeah, with, by Marianne. We had like it was a bit of a roller coaster now. We're on the way up again. Yeah. Yeah. So although I'm saying it's gonna end on a nice note, we don't know what's coming from Claire. <laughs> You've got but it can't a friend be worse than Dimity's mantra. From You've last got week. a friend in me. Oh, for anyone who didn't hear last week, go back and listen. Dim had a corker. <laughs> Shoot. Well, I had two mantras I was deciding between, but I think I'm going to go for the happier one because oh, I think we need to take a turn up. 
because yeah. we just were we're, go, we're going down in, in a deep hole. So yeah. I'll um I'll share this one. Um, it's by Tess Ginnery, and I'm not really sure. I just found it on Instagram, and it, I just think it's really beautiful. It goes. In a beautiful world that has come to hooray the hustle, I find my sweet loving soul rebelliously dancing to the contrary. For this season, busy has no place. Busy cannot lasso my time. It is down by the river, sunbathing on silky rocks. Oh, that is nice. Nice. I just, and I read that when I'm just so busy Mm. and feeling so caught up in all of the things, because there are so many things. And I just love that idea of actually being comfortable just sitting on a rock. Mm. Yeah. Sitting. Taking a moment. Yeah. I love that. Good one, Claire. You yeah. can come back. We can, you can come again. When I'm Thanks, sick guys. or, you know, have some massive life emergency, you're subbing in. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Yeah. I will do. Not just that I want a life emergency. Okay. Thank My, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this has been The Millennial Divide. And if you've liked what you've heard, subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Claire, for stepping in. Thanks, Claire. We love having you here. Oh, I loved it. Thanks, guys. Oh, we'll have you back anytime. Yeah. Come and follow us on all of our socials at The Millennial Divide. We're on Insta, Facebook, Twitter. We've got a Facebook group. we got everything. We you want it, we got it. we got the social medias for you. We love our listener questions, so we keep do. them firing. Come, They can come at us through a DM on Insta or Facebook <laughs> or whatever you want to do. So keep following, keep chatting and tell your friends and we will speak to you next week. See you later. Alligator. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.